Hey, what's up? Shout out to Canal Street Market. You guys are the best. Shout out to Ryan. Yeah, it's a real cool spot. If you guys want to check it out, there's this incredible food court and a bunch of little shops. Kind of like a coffee. F- yeah, kind of like a flea market setup. It's in Canal Street. Check it out. It's pretty cool. Welcome to Lucky Boys Podcast. I'm Will. And I'm Norm. And we have a very special guest today with us, Dr. Johnny Kong. Thank Welcome you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. When I think of doctor, I think of someone who's nerdy, perhaps not that cool, but cool in their own smart yeah. way, but not cool in a general sense in terms of physique, fitness, style. And you do. You seem to do a good job of that uh, with your total brand. Is that the new age doctor or are you just an anomaly? I think people have always been that way. Doctors have always been that way, but we've never shared that, you know? Um, I don't think you should let your career define you. I don't think you should let your ethnicity define you. You know, my dad is, he's, he's, the, he's the epitome of the, the nerdy Asian guy, right? He just reads, doesn't know who Michael Jordan is. He doesn't know the culture. He, well, I shouldn't say he doesn't know the Asian culture. He doesn't know the pop culture, everything going on. He just is the nerdy Asian guy that goes in and goes to work and 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 that's respectable but i i wanted to share a different side of 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 a physician the different side of of the asian man like we we should put our minds to whatever we like doing so what i started to do four or five years ago if i like something i made time for it there's no excuses so I, I, got into, I got into fitness. I was playing every sport I possibly could. Uh, my body hasn't broken down yet. Um, I furthered my career in medicine, outreach, uh, medical missions, things like that. I wanted to get into to just getting, getting my name out there, getting my culture out there. You found motivation within yourself, or is this something your parents kind of push you towards where they wanted you to be a doctor, they wanted you to try all these different things? Yeah, th- that's a good question. You know, I owe every, everything to my parents, but they, they, were the, they were the, what you would expect the parents. They wanted me to, to stay in medicine, do one thing. When they actually, my dad actually just started following me on Instagram. Like, oh, weird. One year ago. He, he has Instagram. <laughs> and, wow. And on FaceTime, he was like, he was like, Juliet, that's my mom. Look at this! Like, what's that? Look at that! I, I was on I was on this random uh, on this billboard like hundred feet tall in Times Square the uh, last year. You? Uh, yeah, and and my dad was like, "What's going on? Like, who is this person?" And he actually flew out here just so he could like stand in front of it and wave. And oh, wow. my parents were not expecting me to do any of this. So if my own my own parents weren't expecting me to to put myself out there, things that are uncomfortable. And not just be in a white coat inside a hospital, but do so many other things and connect with so many people. My own parents were surprised. Think of all the other people that would be surprised too. And the point is, you want to you wanna surprise people with the right stuff. Was it your parents that pushed you towards it and you kind of made it your own? Or is this, it was your own compass that pointed towards this direction and your parents just supported you through that? It was my parents that pushed me towards medicine and and finding a good career and being kind to people. So I owe my core values to my parents, but 
putting myself out there, that was me. And what motivated me was I, would, I, I was interested in, in media and the way Asians were portrayed in media, the way the opportunities they were given in media. And I've said so many times to my friends, you know, I, I, I was watching The Hangover and I saw Ken Jeong and God, that guy is funny. And, and a lot of people don't know he was a family medicine doctor yeah. for a long time before right. yeah. he found his calling. And we know he did what he really wanted to do in the end. And he was very successful. And it's not to say everybody a is successful in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, he's incredibly talented. But the way, the, the roles he was given was, was always just the kind of like the nerdy man that, that nobody respected. And that was, uh, people might disagree, but that was the, the take I took from it. Okay. And so that motivated me. I said, wait a second. That's not, that's not what I want people to view Asians as. I always say Asian Americans, but not just Asian Americans, Asians as. And uh, that's not who a lot of my friends are. That's not who I am. So that really motivated me to say, hey, I'm going to do some medicine on social media. I'm going to show them the fitness side. I'm going to show them the business side. Um, And that connected me with so many people that shared the same goals and values for the Asian American community. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and what motivated me even more was, was the other people around in the community. I, I would get, I would get messages from other doctors of all ethnicities. And then of course, from other Asian men, they're, they're like, dude, Johnny, like, like we didn't know you did this stuff. Like I love working out in basketball, but you know, all I do is I talk about colon cancer screening. Mm. I was like, no, you got to show them, show them everything. And, and it's not meant to be comfortable because right. if it was comfortable, it wouldn't be something interesting. Right. So I, I'm going to keep doing it. In your eyes, you saw Hollywood's interpretation of Asian males that motivated you to kind of step out the box and say, you know, OK, fine. There are some Asians like that mm-hmm. and that's great for them. However, I can't connect with that. that I don't identify with that. And I know most of my friends are like this. And that's and what I know to be true is that I don't see that type of representation in mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Therefore, since the world is changing and we all can build a platform small and grow into something larger and say, hey, who else can connect with this? Because this is what I think we're really like in 2021. And that's what helped push you to elevate and empower others around you and your brand from your colleagues, doctors, physicians, to other people in the Asian culture. Is that what that, I'm understanding? You hit it right on the money. Yeah, okay. You, if, you, if you are interested in something, you got you to gotta do it. You got to put everything into it. It doesn't matter It doesn't matter if it's all one type of culture that does it or if it's... Right. Or if it's just one gender, it, if you if you like something, you got to put everything into it. Right. I, I do yeah. want to go back a little bit, uh, regards with Ken Ken Jung. Um, first of all, crazy props to him for making that shift from being a doctor oh, yeah. to being a household name in Hollywood and getting the roles that he did. I I can't imagine that's very easy. I know that there are a lot of people. Uh, Asians that we know in entertainment and media that tries to make it in Hollywood 
and uh, it's it's almost impossible yeah, what I it mean, feels like these conversations with him, right? Yeah, a lot of props to him because he didn't just was a doctor and then he jumped and then he jumped straight into films and movies. He took he, a risk. He he was he was like a stand up comic right, before, right. so he was he he was giving his dues, right? So he was he doing the dues. time, right? Yeah. He's gained the reps. Yeah. And then he just got that opportunity and right. he made the most of it. I think he just found a lane that worked. And we hear a lot of people in entertainment say this a lot. It, it doesn't matter how I get in as long as I get in. I can't judge someone for that. However, I can understand folks like you, folks like other uh, people that go, you know what? I don't identify with this. this like I can't connect with this. Right. Um, but it is comedy at the end of the day. And, and uh, I hope most people have the common sense to understand that he's a caricature or he's just right. being an extreme version of something um, that's, that I thought The Hangover was hilarious. That was, uh, it was an awesome movie. Yeah, it was awesome one of my movie. favorite movies. <laughs> yeah. Going back to what you were saying, um, putting yourself out there, being uncomfortable. How do you face those demons? It is so difficult. So difficult to claim yourself because a lot of the times the demons or the negative thoughts will tell you not to do something, to stay in your comfort zone, to, hey, if we go out there, it's going to this workout. Why are you going to work out? Just stay home. Just be comfortable. Put on the TV. Get something yummy to eat and just chill. Oh, you were from San Fran? Why, why go to New York? You know, this is something you're familiar with. Just stay here and don't bother going there. Why are you taking the risk? I mean, what is that voice inside of you that made you go, you know what? No, I'm going to go to New York at the height of the pandemic. I know. I'm going to uh, put myself out there on social media. I'm going to live the best life I can. And I don't care what anyone thinks. Like, how do you do that you know what I goes th- on in your head it starts with each individual person right you have to you have to invest in yourself right so i found that after living in new york for a while and then you know my medical training took me other places and uh i went back to i went back to the san francisco bay area and you know something just something just wasn't right I needed to do what was best for me, what was best for my personal growth. Like, what do you mean something's not you right? Know, I, I felt that there was a lot of, there was a lot of opportunity and a lot of, a lot of things that I wanted to work on within myself that I couldn't quite grasp. That was in, outside of San Francisco. That was, that was, and, and I felt the opportunities were outside of San Francisco. Right. And so uh, I decided to move here and I decided to invest in myself. And, I, and that goes back to what I said originally is that we have to invest in ourselves to strengthen our, our mind, strengthen our body, figure out everything within ourselves because ultimately the way you treat other people is really how you feel about yourself. You know, yeah. hurt people, hurt people. That, that's, so. I, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I, I think it's important, you know, it's something, a, a lesson that I've learned from friends and especially my parents is, you never know what's going on under the surface. Social media, pictures, whatever. You know, I just posted a picture today. I thought I was looking good. The first few, the few, few comments were from my own friends. They said, <laughs> John, we know right when they snapped that picture, you said, 
the classic one, two, three crunch, look as good as possible. Right. <laughs> so, but you don't worry about those things, right? You, yeah. you, you do what makes you happy. You got to invest in yourself. And what I got from my parents, you never know what's going on, on, on underneath. So you always got to be kind to people. Kindness I agree first. with that. Mm-hmm. And someone that's not kind to other people, you just know it's not, it's probably not you. Right. So Norm, if I was an asshole to you, I think you're, you're a bright guy. You'd be like, well, it's, it's Johnny's problem. This guy's yeah. an idiot. Yeah. And uh, I think whatever it is, whatever demons that we're facing, you have to figure it out yourself. There's no, there's no, oh, like, I had this, this happened to me, this person. You can't look, you got to put blinders on. You can't look anywhere else. And everybody goes through things. I went through a few things in my life. And I felt that being here in New York City, in this culture, with all this opportunity, meeting you guys, for example, it was the right thing for me. Because once I got myself right and invested in myself, then you can do the right thing and you, you're able to invest in other people. For sure. You can Put on your own people. oxygen mask first. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that would be my, the one thing that, that I had to do for myself. Um, and I... I can't say it wasn't entirely selfish. I, my parents wanted me to stay. Um, good thing my older sister's there. <laughs> so she'll, um, and she's got, she's got two little ones now to keep, keep them busy. So they're new grandparents. Oh, oh sweet. So, uh, but you gotta, you gotta invest in yourself first. I, I agree with you. And I, you know what? A lot of people underestimate the value of being kind. Right. Within success, there's, there's, a kindness attribute that goes along with it and people don't understand that look if you're not kind i can almost guarantee that you're probably lonely if you're just a miserable person let's let's well, just get down let's get our hands like really dirty small. right if you're just a miserable person and people just don't enjoy being around you you're going to find yourself alone a lot of the times, yeah. whether it's birthdays mm-hmm. or invitations to go places. And, and, you're, and it's hard enough these days to create a, especially with everything going on with COVID, to have a social circle and to develop relationships that are close with all this anxiety going on and, and people having challenges of, of socializing. You know, forget about just COVID. Just people feel like it takes up so much internal energy having to connect with someone you know because this the world's changing has become so much easier for for us to get so many things given to us without actually having to push hard and work for it and because of that it develops bad social habits all of this connects and kindness if you're kind to people well guess what I'm, if you ask me for something, well, I'm going to want to help you, right? If it's your birthday, well, I'm going to want to be there to celebrate with you. Right? I'm like, man, you're a kind person. You're cool, man. You know what? I enjoy hanging out with you. You make me feel good. Like your vibe is infectious. You attract the same energy. Yeah, you, you attract you the out, same right? energy and you appreciate it. And you know what? You bring the best out of me too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I love that. You know what? Yeah, let's, let's hang out. And you know what? When, I'm, when my back is turned... I feel like there's a good chance you're not going to say something mean about me. You're not going to be a jackass. And, 
and you know smile in my face but behind my back it's something else you know so yeah i think kindness is such a underrated trait and everybody's different the everybody's energy is different you know and everybody's circles different so one thing that i've come to learn is is your circle doesn't have to be big it, it doesn't have to be 50 people it might be two people but you have to have the right energy and it starts you got to start with yourself so what you know as a physician too i mean even though i'm not a psychiatrist i see a lot of issues with mental health mm. it's actually quite prevalent in my specialty which is gastroenterology which is just stomach problems and issues with bowels and things like that but uh you know mental health is a huge thing but what i what i'm really seeing is people who aren't in, who aren't right they don't they don't feel good in their mind whether they're unhappy or things like that they're struggling with their own demons they seek so many different avenues of help because i feel it makes it appear that it's going to make it quicker and easier it's not meant to be easy you got to start with yourself. That's one of the things that, that I've learned. I learned that the hard way. You touched on something, mental yeah. health and yeah. its connection to the physical health, right? I want to stay on that because that's, I mean, it's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. And you see people come in with physical ailments. And, and what exactly, what type of doctor are you for the people listening? Yeah. What exactly do yeah, you Yeah, I'm a gastroenterologist. I specialize in, I'm, a, I'm an expert in esophagus swallowing issues stomach problems pancreas liver mm. colon small intestine now people that yeah. are stressed out or have mental health issue or are in a very low state of mind in terms of their mood yeah. right where they're always complaining blaming other people for everything jealousy all of those negative traits where their mood elevator is just below positive or below neutral I should say does that impact their physical body have you seen that connection absolutely the brain the brain and the gut are intimately connected the the neurons that connect it there's a reason why i don't know if you guys remember when there's a reason why before we when we're in college before we go into a lecture hall when they're passing out the exams how come we feel like like our stomach hurts or we need to go to the bathroom there's a reason why they put oh, so many so much sense there's a reason why they put so many bathrooms at airport gates people are rushing trying to get to the gate oh. uh, uh they're traveling even when you're talking yeah. to a girl you get butterflies in your stomach oh, yeah, yeah. That you can, that, yeah. it's real and it's and it's not that the sim that the stomach symptoms are in someone's head it's not in their head it's just real gut symptoms but it's because the brain and the the gut are connected so so tightly um and you know from my own personal experience a lot of my own patients a lot of times there's on the surface there's gut issues and gut disease but oftentimes there's something else going on under, underneath mm. and and i've learned over time it's it's not just about what you're an expert in you have to consider other parts uh, other parts of someone's life is there abuse at home is there depression involved uh, is there an eating disorder so it, it's, it's really actually been a privilege to kind of learn the human body and not just what I know but how everything's connected you know why that makes so much sense to me and why I actually subscribe to the notion that your mental state 
has a direct correlation with your physical state. Just one simple idea. Everyone, we've all, we all have heard of a placebo effect. Hey, I'm going to give you this pill right here, and it's going to fix you. It's going to whether it's going to make you happy, it's going to make you, it's going to cure whatever whatever you're struggling with. And there's been test groups where they gave a, a real actual medicine and versus a placebo effect and the control group with the, that had the placebo or a sugar pill there was no actual medicine in it they were better their body healed because they were at a different mental state they were at a positive mental state they really believed that this is helping me and it made them happier and they and and for some reason their body i don't know the science behind it but i the outcome was that they were healthy again. Mm-hmm. And, and the same thing goes with uh, what they call a nocebo, right? Where they, it's kind of like voodoo, like, hey, you have bad luck and this and that. And <laughs> it's the opposite of a placebo. Hey, I'm going to give you this and this is going to make you feel worse. Or because you ate this, now this is going to get really bad for you. Mm. And they just have this negative state of mind. They're constantly worried. Right, they're right. stressed. Right. And, and they're constantly thinking about this. It's weighing on their mm. mood. And for some reason, it's just there, just sitting there in their subconscious, eating away at them. Right, right. And right. what happens is it destroys their health. Right. And, I, and I have to believe that that's stress, right? And that's what, when someone is toxic around your life, that too, when, when they're feeding you negative doors, when someone's mean to you, when, when you have a bad manager, when you have... Even family members could be like that. I've heard people say their parents are very toxic and they just feel so much weight on them and it's, it's taking a toll on their health. And when they're liberated of that, they feel so much lighter, happier, better things are happening in their lives. Their relationships improve, their job outlooks improve, their income improves. It's, it's crazy. I mean, there's so much to that. I have to wonder, like, when when a person has those negative thoughts or they're surrounded with people who are, like, a different mindset or, you know, positive or negative, you know, your actions kind of reflect that. So let's say, like, you know, you have someone who's negative all the time, right? And you're with this person. And you're, you're, you're taking all that negative energy. So it kind of manifests physically where, okay, I feel down, you know, I'm going to eat more ice cream, you know, you're gaining mm. weight. Right, and I, that's that's how I you know take your placebo example. And I'm like these people, they probably when they're thinking, it's like, you know, I I feel so happy. You know, I you know I have so much to look forward to. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna do skydiving. I'm gonna you know hang out with my friends. I'm going to exercise more. It's kind of manifest manifest physically, and then in turn it actually helped them physically. Right, that's how I I see it. Yeah, it wasn't like you know psychologically like. And it, and again, it comes down to. Like Will, you, I think you had alluded to, is it, it comes down to it's it's how it's really our individual selves, not in a selfish way. It's actually understanding who you are and how you how are you gonna handle different situations yourself. So if you're surrounded by someone or somebody that's always negative, and their negative energy like shifts onto you, or they're always angry, it's up to you how you want to handle it because we have to understand. That person is that way because they're dealing with what something under under the surface. That's something that they have to figure out. So, you know, I've again I've had to learn that the hard way. If it's not, I've learned you don't. It's not always the best thing to fight anger with anger, right? 
for sure. If someone's if someone's always in a bad mood or negative energy, a part of you wants to give it back. The natural to, reaction to show them yeah. what they're doing, but that's their internal struggle. And if and if you behave in the same way, then it's not it does it then then you're not being honest with yourself. So I I was at dinner the other day with a friend of mine, Jack, and I, I one of the things that struck me. So so Jack Jack played a huge role in in uh, getting everybody together for the for the big Asian rallies against in Chinatown against against hate. That's beautiful. And uh, one of the things that stuck out with me is with him is he mentioned it's it's I wouldn't say it's the exact same comparison, but he brought a a small comparison to the way the way Malcolm X fought uh, for African Americans against racism and the way Martin Luther King fought against it. Uh, Malcolm X with his guns blazing and violence because, you know, racism is a violent thought, in my opinion. It's a violent thing to do, whether it be emotional or physical. Martin Luther King... He used reason, serenity, calmness, but strength at the same time, and a lot of grace. And exactly, and and who was more successful ultimately? Disagree or not? I think it was Martin Luther King. And so I think it depends on who you ask. I I would agree with yeah. that, but in my opinion, it, that's what it was. And and then I thought about some of the things going on in the Asian community over the past six months, the way it affected me. If someone, if if someone was attacked, it made me want to attack the assailant. And I thought about, you know, maybe that's not as much as I wanted to do that. Maybe that's not the right way to go about things, because the person attacking, again, that's their own demons, and attacking them is not going to help them figure out what they're supposed to do with their lives. Even if you win, you lose. So I agree with you there. However. I think there are situations where you do have to fight fire with fire. If you're backed into a corner, it requires meeting that same energy, if not going to a further extreme, in order for it to stop. Now, when we talk about racism, I agree it is very violent because the end result is death. If you look out through through history, any type of racism, you can see that there's a direct correlation with. A lot of people being discriminated against, and ultimately leading to someone dying. Racism is extremely dangerous. You have to make changes, but it needs to be swiftly. With racism, it's very tricky. Being kind is a longer road to change something. People just aren't going to change overnight. The the other side, it takes some time for the mentality to mature, and the way to expedite that is to meet. Fire with fire. That's the only way that they'll begin to understand is when they feel the burn as well of their own consequences that they initiated, and it boomerang back to them. I feel that racism should be addressed swiftly because if you don't, it grows larger and larger and larger. It's to use an example or metaphor. It's like trying to get a car over a speed bump. 
If you don't develop enough momentum and speed, you're not going to get over that speed bump. It needs to be addressed quickly before it gets out of control. If someone's able to take a narrative and influence a whole nother generation of people to hate on each other, that's going to create a catastrophic war that's going to be very challenging to go back on before too many lives are impacted negatively. So I think for the most part in life, I'm okay with taking the higher road, but I do understand that there are times in life as well where there is only one road. I I think there's multiple roads to that, honestly. Um, When you look at MLK, right, he did like a passive... Uh, protests, um, but he was very really smart. You know, he knew that racists were very violent. You know, and he used that to his advantage. He made sure that the media was covering this. He made sure people were aware that this was happening to his community. You know, when he walked in Selma over the bridge, he made sure that the the news channels were covering the the walk across the bridge. And when that happened, when, when the, the police actually attacked these innocent protesters, America was shocked, you know, but then people didn't know. And that's what's happening now. You know, people just like in my general, like my colleagues at work, they don't know what's happening to the Asian community. You know, this, this was something that people spoke up about and then they were shocked. Yeah. And I'm talking about people that are not, not non-Asian, right? You know, that are uh, outside of our community, but... But it was a shock to them. So I think there's a lot of different avenues to address racism. And one of it is make people aware. There's one, you know, there's another avenue where, yes, you have to stand up against it. You know, if your back's, you know, to the wall, you have to address it in in certain situations, obviously. But, you know, have to be safe about, you know, uh, and you're looking out for your fellow man and woman, right? What MLK did was intelligent. And he addressed it the way he knew how. But he addressed it and it was swift because people got to see what it was like. Yeah. And and what could be was- more impactful. Because you know what? These people that saying, oh, I didn't even know Asians are being attacked. Then they must be living under a rock because they know. They hear it. Okay. But they don't. They're not listening. They're not listening to us. That's the difference. They, they listen to what they want to listen to. They don't see it. You, if you see it, look, right. look what happened to George Floyd. People knew racism against blacks was chronic and prevalent. There's just no doubt about it. But they didn't know the extent of it in terms of being black, being Nelton, Watching your life go away down to your last breath being recorded. And when we saw that, mm-hmm. yeah. black people or, or people of color was like, man, again, I told you. I've been trying to tell you guys this for the longest. Now you want to listen? Now you want to listen. Look, look, people, right there. People, now you're going to tell me that, became aware that what? What's wrong with now? They, and what they try to do, dehumanize George Floyd. Oh, he was on drugs and why not? But that besides that, the point, you know. That's not the point. Yeah. That's not the point. So, yes, yeah, so what MLK did, he showed people, and and that's what I'm saying. You have to fight, and I'm not saying meeting violence with violence, but what I am saying is that you have to accelerate. You have to fight back. In 
the smartest way possible that will make the biggest impact. Fight back with the same energy, but it doesn't have to be physical. Right. The key thing is you do need to fight back. You can't sit on your behinds and just right. allow this mm. to happen. You have to set these cultural boundaries. And then, you know, it's what, what's crazy is eventually we're all going to be one race. I, I feel like within our lifetimes, the conversations are going to change where there's just going to be so many mixed race people. Actually, most of the... Most of the new people that I'm meeting, the younger kids, they're all mixed race. From my kids, your kid is going to be. Mm-hmm. Both my kids are I mean, mixed race. Your kids <laughs> is mixed race. Mm-hmm. My friends' kids are mixed race. The new kids that I'm meeting, kids that I hoop with, are mixed race. I mean, we're going to have a conversation where someone's go, "Hey, I'm half this, or I'm a quarter this." You know, like we're going to have to start moving the conversation forward at some point because everybody's going to be a little bit of everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. And Will and Norm, I wanted to touch on a few things that you, you guys were speaking about is, you know, I think kindness, I read somewhere, kindness is like an amorphous object. It takes many different shapes, mm-hmm. many different forms. Kindness can be understanding the situation and, you know, you actually gave me a, di- a, a good perspective. I learned something from you today, Will, is, um, is not everybody's going to respond to fire, which is maybe why MLK's way was good, but not everybody's going to respond to to calm and trying to reason with people. You can't reason with the unreasonable always. Mm-hmm. So, I think sometimes, yeah, you 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 have to you have to, people respond in different ways, and I think fire and and uh, dealing with it in a calm and collected manner it's going to work for different people. And sometimes you do need a little more fire. Um, but I think that's where the individual needs to understand what works, what, what works best. And I think, I think what you guys touched on a, a little bit, going back to kindness, is, is the different avenues, the different shapes it can take. Kindness might be, yes, physically stopping an attack or or physically intervening kindness might be someone's acting like an idiot but you understand that it's their own demon so so you be the bigger person take the high road and let that go forgive people um anyways i forgot the other thing i was going to say but uh <laughs> i what i what i appreciate about you guys is you gave me a different perspective it can't, th- the way people view things the way we are going to institute change people are going to receive it in different ways meaning the deliverance is going to have to be in different shapes and forms yeah exactly so, i agree like yeah. when i when i mentioned the different avenues there's a place yeah. for both yeah. you know for 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 kindness to exist and to and for if you need to fight fire with fire there's a place for that as well mm-hmm. you know there there is no one you know straight solu- one solution for fighting racism I honestly don't believe that because back then you had MLK, you had Black Panthers, you had, you know, you had, you know, all these different groups that were fighting for the same things, but they, they did it in their own different way. You know, one, one more thing, if I could add, if, if that's yeah, okay, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is um, what I've learned a lot since coming to New York City and immersing myself in, in many different cultures, but also including my own Asian culture is, is... You have you have to you have to get your voice heard, and you can't wait for other people. Meaning, 
when I when I saw what was going on in Chinatown with that rally that our community set up, nobody expected us. Nobody nobody expected the Asian community to come together that way. No, I remember when I first got to the to the to the rally in Chinatown a couple months ago or something like that ago. There was maybe two police officers. Even the NYPD did not think it was going to be much of anything. Yeah, we'll throw a few officers in oh, there. Oh, it's an Asian protest? No yeah, worries. We'll, we'll just we'll, send a we'll couple just, of guys. you know, make sure nobody gets too <laughs> drunk or, or, or starts cussing in front of children. You don't need crowd control. An hour and a half in, there must have been 40 or 50 cops and 30 bicycles, 30 bikes there. Um, that guy, Coffee, amazing dude, brought another two, 3,000 people down from Union Square. And then you had all these cops making sure. And what oh, I. Oh, we re- were at that one. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, it, was, it was yeah. packed. Yeah. yeah. Nobody yeah. expected us to say anything. Yeah. And when I say us, I mean, yes, the Asian community. Right. Nobody expected. But just like. One, one of, uh, I, was, I was out the other day. I don't know who, remember who I was talking to, but they. One of my friends said, you know, where, where, are, all the, where are all the Asian uh, celebrities talking, uh, to talk about hate? Where are all the, you know, the black athletes when they were, when they were supporting George Floyd? Where, where are they now to support all the Asians being attacked? And a part of me agreed with that, but what, what I really feel is we can't wait for the celebrities. We can't, mm-hmm. we can't wait for... These are just people. It starts with each individual person. The rallies here in New York, I, I think they kind of rang globally, especially across the United States. It was started by the everyday person. It wasn't started by an actor or someone from Crazy Rich Asians. It was started by the everyday person. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody expects... Nobody expects you guys to put on a fantastic podcast. You know, podcasts should be done by by uh, uh, celebrities, those YouTube or, yeah. boxers, Logan or whatever their names are. Uh, it should be di- by, done by Joe Rogan, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody expects you guys to do podcasts. Nobody expects me to come home from the hospital and go and go box, and then go do a photo shoot or come on a podcast or, you know, even be invited to a podcast for that matter. Uh, they, people don't expect and they feel uncomfortable with the unexpected. And that's the point is to, is to change that is to break that barrier. And you're absolutely right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I don't think, I think a lot of people don't expect it. And when they see it, they want to dismiss it. Not only do they not expect it, is that when they see it, they're like, man, who are these guys trying to be? Who do you think you are? And that's just not goes for a podcast. Let's keep it real. If you see an Asian on a basketball court, man, who the fuck this yeah. Chinese Bruce you- Lee, Jackie Chan, Dumpling dude doing on a court? How do you get I've on heard West it countless times. Yeah. yeah. Why, man, this kid, this kid got like, nah, yo. Why is this kid Dean up on me? Like, I've heard it so many times where someone that was Asian, when I seen on a court or myself, like, oh, he want to D up. Oh, I got him. I got him. And, it, and it's just like, damn, the, my, my color of my skin really agitates you. Like, you don't feel like just because I put on shorts 
and I'm dribbling a ball and, I, and I'm calling next or I'm here just playing on the same court you are, the color of my skin, does, does it really bother you that much? Because we're here to do the same thing. Oh, before you've even taken one shot, if you're, if you're going on to some of these courts in the city, oh, forget it. the fact that what you look like, they they've already decided you whether you're going to be good and how long you're going to wait to get yeah, on the Yeah, exactly. And so. we actually did an interview three years ago where we went on all these different street ball, basketball courts, um, and I played ball with them, right? And then... I talked to them afterwards. They were like, man, I did not know you had game. Or, hey, I wasn't even going to pick you up because as soon as I seen you, I didn't think, you know. And they, and they were very honest. They were very honest. And I said, why do you th-? They were like, I feel bad for, for admitting. And we still have footage of that. But they said, I feel bad um, now that I know you. But it's just this. And this is what I said. Like, doesn't make that person a bad person. It's just this unconscious bias. And then somehow ego gets in the freaking way. I, that's what I think. And like, I, a lot of times when I see this or experience some sort of prejudice, and, and, and it's a lot, where people aren't inclusive of me, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in a social setting, and they expect me to be a certain way. Even I get it even from other Asians when they hear my accent. They're like, man, how come he talks like that? He's trying to be like this. He's trying to, like, no, this is where I grew up in my zip code. This is how we spoke. And, uh, and there's actually a watered down version. I'm, I'm toning it down so it doesn't sound too rough, you know, um, or too harsh or to your ears, you know. But this is the true self. And I try not to judge people because of that, because we all have our unconscious biases. But mm-hmm. that doesn't make them a bad person I think a lot of the times I had a friend and he was doing something extremely irritating and annoying but we were all being kind to him until one day we decided not to be kind and say bro that's super annoying can you stop and I saw the look on his face he's like wait he was crushed he was like wait I'm annoying so the rest of the night he, and this guy's like, he's one of those friends that are like the loudest motherfuckers when you're hanging out with. He's always joking, cracking up, and, you know, the life of the party, so to speak, right? And in my group of friends, we were like that. We we're all very, you know, bust each other's chops, but he just would go that extra annoying to the point where it's just, oh, man, dude, stop. He pulled me to the side. He goes, yo, Will, how, how long have I been annoying? <laughs> I, I said... <laughs> I said, yeah. I was like, for years, man, since we were kids. He's like, what? I thought I was being funny. I was like, I was like, no, no. I was like, yo, we love you, man. I mean, you're great, but sometimes you kind of go too far. Like, you got to read the room. And he just looked back and he said, oh shit. And it's like his. He's recounting his memories. Right. It's like his whole he, his whole glass shattered, and and he just went, oh shit, man. And I could see him cringing inside. And I don't like to use that word cringe, but it's appropriate for the, for the emotions he was going through. And I saw it in his eyes. And I felt terrible, terrible. But you know what? It helped him as a person moving forward. And he knew we were telling him from a place of, of love. It wasn't, we right, weren't trying right. to hurt him. It was just because it was too much for that moment. And, and he, he double crossed the line. And for us, we were just like, yo, we got to tell him. And 
I think a lot of these people, if we let them know, just like the interview that we had with those guys on a basketball court, once they got to know me and I talked to them about this and they got to discover their unconscious bias, that they wouldn't even really realize. They, they felt terrible. They were on camera saying, man, I feel terrible about that. And actually, you're one of the better players here. You know, and it's like, now thinking back, I did that to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, and I think when you take that and you apply it to life, you go, man, I, I, I think most people just don't realize what they're doing. They're just, it's just been kind of programmed into them it's without like them critically thinking them. about Exactly. Yeah. Without critically thinking about it. And it's just the easy way to do. It's like, oh, I see someone here that's tall. He's probably going to be really good or he's not Asian. He's probably going to be better than the short Asian guy over there. And I'm guilty of my own biases. Sometimes right. I would go in on the pickup court and and uh, I would see this, you know, this guy's six foot five. He's going to be on the team. I'm like, we got this. We got this. And then they yeah. and then he starts playing, and you're like, what the? You're like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Like. All he does is stand on the side and shoot threes. Doesn't grab any <laughs> I rebounds. That. I hate right? the big man that thinks but, he's, a, he's Steph Curry. But maybe <laughs> my bias was, oh, he's tall. He's tall and white, let's say. Uh-huh. He should be on the block. Uh-huh. You know, uh, uh, like Andres Bedrins yeah, and getting rebounds yeah. for getting everybody. Getting rebounds, yeah, cleaning but the boards. But maybe he's a good shooter. And I didn't even give him a chance to be a good shooter because yeah. in my mind, that should be... The 5'11 Asian guy right, right. with the crew socks that should be shooting. <laughs> and, you know, right. we're, we're all guilty of that. We you know? are. We are, uh, man. But we, we got we to gotta learn and, and educate. And that's the thing. And it's, also it's, be willing to receive education. Absolutely. And that's, I'm, I'm in a constant state of learning. And I catch myself sometimes. And I'm going, oh, shit, I'm just as guilty, but in a, in a different way. You know? And... I, I try to correct some of this. Now, now, sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I am right. My unconscious bias or sometimes I'm like, damn, and I feel smart when I'm right. I'm like, see? But at the same time, I cannot allow that those times that I've been right to dictate and think that for the rest of my life, this is the answer because things change, situations, everyone's different and your environment is also different and, and different rules apply to different settings. So we have to be very careful in the way we put our internal biases. And a lot of times it does protect us and it does influence our decision making. And we try to make the best decisions as we possibly can. But just being in a, this day and age that we in and all this diversity of richness of people and and inclusivity uh, that you want to bring into your life, which enriches your life, by the way, greatly. I would challenge everyone, including myself especially, to think more critically and just go that extra step. And I'm going, oh man, thank goodness. Thank goodness I use experience instead of just reflexes. Just your own prejudice that you've lived with. Uh, Last thing on that. I, all these demonstrations happening in these metropolitan areas, how was it in San Francisco? I think the, that there've always been, there's always been the right people in the Bay Area that wanted to do it, but they just they didn't have the support yet. And I think... Because there's so many crimes going so on there against Asians. I, I was just on the phone with my parents. I, the, 
I think it's the worst in San Francisco right now, and oh, I can't terrible. really explain what's going on there. It's scary. It's but, frightening uh, for all the old folks there and women yeah. and children, yeah. especially, especially them. It, you know, uh, I I think we've we've come together here in in New York City. I think things have gotten better. I and I think it's inspired the people in the Bay Area to do the same thing. I I appreciate some of our own people from New York. China Mac has gone out there a few times. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they need they need to do the same thing that we did here in New York City in Manhattan. Is nobody expected us to say anything, and I think the crimes continue in the Bay Area. It's terrible uh, because they don't think anybody's gonna. What, what's the consequence? Uh, exactly. Everybody in yeah. San Jose and Milpitas and and Wana Creek and Oakland's. Yeah, there were they, there was a few people that said a few things, uh, and actually, I thought they were from. I thought they were they they flew in from the East Coast, but I, I'm I'm hoping they they form the same bond over there in in the West Coast. Uh, I I think the crimes are continuing because nobody's the the people doing it. They don't they don't think anybody's going to say anything. And it's, it's blatant, right? I mean, yeah. broad daylight. Uh, broad daylight. You know, breaking into car, you know, people breaking into cars. Someone lit a woman's hair on fire the other day. And, I read that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm always careful or they to... Stole, or they broke into a, a woman's car uh-huh. and stole, stole her, the, her the dog. Dog, yeah. Her dog. That was terrible. She was devastated. Mm-hmm. She brings her dog everywhere and then she left the dog in, a, in the car with the, uh, I guess, the, the AC on and everything because right. she thought that her dog was tired and mm. could sit this one out. Yeah. So she left the dog in the car and then she comes back to a uh, car broken yeah. into. Yeah, it's terrible. It's heart it's heart-wrenching. What was supposed to be a fun, exciting trip vacation turned out to be extremely traumatic. Mm-hmm. A dog that you have for 10 years, your best friend, that bond. I mean, anyone that ever has a pet can understand that. I mean, it's just terrible. Absolutely terrible. Now I don't know if that was racially charged or motivated, but come on, man, you want to steal someone's Yorkie? Yeah, that's <laughs> Jesus. That's not cool. I mean, I would but, think that's but, like harder to but the, like. I do agree that that the, they, whether the politicians, the community, law enforcement, they do need to get it together. They all need to get on the same page. Mm-hmm. I I don't think enough is being done. If you if it's you. Not. Institute harsher penalties. I I actually think that's why there's less crime in parts of Southeast Asia and parts of Europe. Is some of these countries, you do something even petty theft, you could go away for a long time. Right. And there's less done because the con. Right now, I agree with you. the 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 charges of racial. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, a crime. That was racially charged. It's hate crime. The punishment doesn't fit the the crime, and that's why people they don't even want to call it a hate crime. Yeah. And and look, you yeah. this is the world we live in. Let's just extrapolate a situation and 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 let you guys listen to it. Take out the race. A man in his prime, very strong, tall. All right, doesn't matter what race. Um, is see someone. That's a, let's just say an old person. Let's let's say they're seventy five years old, female, male, seventy five years old. Now 
this man in his prime looks at this person and feels hate, enough hate to go at them and hit them unprovoked because the way they look like or whatever it is, they identify what this person is to something that they don't like inside or as an excuse to target them to use as an outlet to express their anger. So they strike this person and a lot of the time end up being hospitalized or even worse, dying, dying. And get this, in the situations where they don't die, they catch, they process them, and then what do they do? They release them. Take out the color of the skin. What if it was a white person, a black person that is 75 years old, and, and someone, for no reason other than the color of the skin, unprovoked, decided to fuck this person's day up and the health of the rest of their life moving forward and psychological damage as well. And then the person that attacked you or your grandmother or your grandfather gets to walk free. Gets to walk free while they try to figure out a, a future court date. That's insane. That's insane. How can that 75 or 85, whatever, your, whoever, grandma, grandpa, feel some sense of peace when they're walking in the street again? Knowing that that psychopath is still out there. Mm-hmm. And how do you struggle to call it a hate crime when it's so damn obvious? You have to hate someone in order to do that. It's you have just, to hate someone in order to do that. It's pure evil. That's, there's people who are dealing with things themselves, their demons on the inside that well, they do the wrong thing. But if people attacking elderly, that's just pure evil. I'm, at that point, I'm not going to talk about what they're going through. You don't do that. Right. You don't deal with your own demons and then go push a, a 89-year-old over and let them crack their skull. Right. Mm-hmm. Or you see someone who's like walking with a cane and attack them. It, it's, it's so it's blatantly like wrong. And here's what's crazy. When they do catch or identify the murder, murderer in those situations, there's this underlying theme of that person's a good kid. Or that person didn't know better and didn't mean it and it didn't derive from hate. It was just, they, they almost borderline flirt with the idea that this is just an a- accident. A mental accident or... Mental lapse. Or, or yeah. yeah, that there was no malice involved. But you just killed someone and there was no malice involved. When there's a clear video of you going full speed and charging this elderly person and hurting them. It, it really does strip my mind. There's this community that accepts that and go, okay, yeah, cool. And meanwhile, we're here going, wait, are you, th- hello? Like, you think we're stupid? Like, are you kidding me? In and what world does that justify that murder? And it's been frustrating to, to see that a lot of it, people are saying it's media driven the Asian attacks the attacks against elderly Asians are just elderly in general but I, I have to admit in terms of elderly being attacked I've only seen the Asian elderly being attacked more recently uh, and they're saying it's media driven this isn't media driven I didn't see this happening five years ago it's really happening uh, 
Am I even allowed to ask? Can I ask any question on the yeah, air right absolutely. now? Absolutely. One of the questions that I have is is, and I don't know the answer to it, is what if we have grown Asian men in their twenties and thirties that are healthy and built? Someone like you, someone like me, someone like. What if what if we had grown Asian young men attacking eighty four year old. Black women, what do you think would happen then? That's wrong. <laughs> that's that's oh, that's also wrong. Right now, <laughs> right now, I've I'm all I've seen is elderly Asian women and men being attacked. Mm-hmm. My parents are seventy; they're afraid to go out still, and they're in the San Francisco Bay. And all these young men are attacking the Asian seniors, and yes, some of the Asian actors are posting, and yes, we're we're saying what we want to say uh and i'm wondering you know just throwing a name out there for no reason lebron james i haven't seen him say anything he has a lot of chinese fans in china and here maybe irrelevant but if on shout a out weekly, to damian lillard the lillard said something thank you and and yeah. uh and uh i think kenny the jet on tnt right. said a few words and charles barkley but what if young Asian men were attacking elderly, elderly folk from the black community? I, I don't know the answer, but I feel there'd be a, uh, in my opinion, there'd be a much a more forceful, whatever that means to people, a much more forceful response right. from the black community and the, let's say, the, the black professional players, the people that a lot of kids look up to, for example... I, I don't know what the right way to deal with it, but I have not seen an attack on Asian elderly, and the response is young Asian men going, or Asians going and attacking the perpetrator. I haven't seen that once. Uh, I think... I don't know if you know where I'm getting at here. Well, I, I think that it, if a bunch of... To answer your question, yeah, I think that if a bunch of Asian males in their prime began attacking any other race chronically like the way our elders are being attacked within our communities across the world i think there will be a major uprising and i think asian males would then be targets i I think we would get shot i think i think we would get shot on sight i think we get get shot on sight we're human too and a lot of people i mean unfortunately kind of sees us as perhaps human but less than and and it's obvious it's obvious i mean if if just look at what's occurring right that these people can get away with killing women children and old people are are attacking them and they get away with it they absolutely get away with it without swift justice and it's insane to me right now to talk about lebron james um i i can't look at his silence thus far as as he's green lighting all this saying it's cool i i don't think that's it but it's not his culture or is what is you know because when with i think before we day he talks about george floyd which right. he should right mm-hmm. but i think before we call out yeah. black celebrities i think we should look internally at our uh asian celebrities that are out there that's not saying anything right Right, I I think 
I mean, that's why I give, that's why it's so special to us when you have folks like Damian Lillard, right? You have uh, even Kyle Kuzma, I think, said something. And, and then you have uh, hip-hop artists, um, what's her name? Uh, uh, the famous female rapper. How, how am I? Which f- one? Oh. There's a lot. Rihanna? She, she was a stripper. Oh. She, Cardi she, B? She, Cardi B, yes. Cardi B. You. You, have the, you, you have Cardi B that spoke up against this. Mm-hmm. You have, I mean, there's just so many. There are black celebrities speaking up about this. There are black athletes speaking up about this. Now, the ones that aren't speaking up about it, perhaps they're fighting another fight. But what I do want to say about that is that the world is better when we include Asians, when Asians are safe. The world is better when we include blacks, when blacks are safe. The world is better when gays are included and, and they're safe. Because then they can be their true authentic self and add to the American culture or just the human experience. Because every culture has something to provide and value and there's just a rich of experiences now what if i said oh i'm not going to be friends with any person who's gay or or any person who doesn't look like me oh my gosh i would have missed out on so much i have gay friends who are amazing i have black friends who are amazing i mean we we both do and what a disservice to ourselves and our personal growth if we were to exclude them so i think the world would be a much better place if we allow that. Now, we have to be careful with divisive speeches. And look, and, and also, just because you're a celebrity doesn't mean, whether you're Asian or black, doesn't mean you need to speak up about it. They're human beings, too. You're, just they're like human us. beings. Perhaps they don't have the answers, and they, don't, they want to be careful right. with how they um, speak about something. Or they have other things that they're battling themselves and they don't want to interrupt this as now because they feel that if they move their position too early that they may not make be able to make an impact because keep in mind a lot of these these people have to answer to someone higher whether it's their fans maybe their fan base won't like it or maybe their their handlers won't like it and maybe they're choosing a better time to move their pieces. So until then, I'll wait to the end of the story to make my judgment. Uh, but the ones that did speak up, I think that's beautiful. It's huge. It was awesome. And, and another yeah. thing, it's not within our culture to attack old people. Okay, it's not. We're, we're raised to respect our elders, right. to respect our women. We're, we don't, and there's a strong emphasis included in our culture i don't know so too many situations where it's that flagrant where you you would see young asian males attack older asians of any other community even our own or our women that's extremely against the way we were raised now i guess my question is is going back to that scenario that i had raised is the function more of a double standard or is it more of a function of is it our our own asian community's fault in the way we respond to things in my opinion if i were to attack a elderly black lady for example i would probably i would be i would be beaten down on the spot on the spot or shot on the spot and if not there 
I would be found and beaten down very soon after right. that. By who, I'm not going to get into. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you try to walk into but a our, black community and attack a black lady, I think. Oh, they I will, would. They, and, and is that and is, and not and only that black, might be a testament say, to how... Let's say you go to Little yeah. Italy, you try to hit a, a 75-year-old Italian lady. Oh, you'll Every, get... Oh, you'll all the get, Italians are coming out to knocking you out. Oh, you'll like, get... And, and is, that, is that more of a testament to how strongly responsive... Um, the other culture, other cultures are, or is it more of a function of our Asian community is more passive and doesn't respond that way? And us, the Asian community, not responding. I guess eye for an eye. Yes, some may, some people, and I don't, I don't have an I I don't know enough to know an opinion. I don't know people. Are they going to say, oh, it's because Asians are calm and they deal with things with more peace or, or is it because they're the weak passive ones that don't are so, afraid to fight back i think this goes back to what you were talking about earlier is that there's going to be some asians like the king J- ken jongs that identify with that and like your father and there's going to be different asians that identify with more people like you who are fit um fashion conscious or uh, concerned with modern pop culture and building brands uh, that they want to represent towards uh, a shift in the culture and in a change that they, they're being the change that they want to see because they feel like the ways of the old representation are inaccurate. So we're still in between those two worlds and we're learning, even though we're Asians, we're, we're, we're very different. And within... I mean, it's so broad, too, when you say Asian. Like, which Asian? Are you talking about Cambodian, Vietnamese, Chinese? Because I'll tell you what, you do that in a Cambodian neighborhood. <laughs> so let's just stay what's within our wheelhouse. You did that in a Chinese, predominantly Chinese area. I think it's, it's exactly that. I think it's a mix. It depends on who you do it around. If you do it around, let's say, just like the one we saw on the video on Bayard Street, right? Where... That guy punched the was a fifty nine year old lady fifty five year old guys were just sitting there watching because they're from a different. Do you think it's their culture or do you think it's a matter of just it's a it's a cultural thing because yeah. look it's their their parents raised them and said hey and it's, I've and I've seen parents yeah. do that mind your own business mm-hmm. if someone Keep gets attacked even if it's your friends. Yep. You yep. run. Yep. You run. You get away from danger. the trouble and you the danger away. ASAP. You go opposite direction. I don't care if it's your friend, this and that, this and that. You bounce. And then I have the other side of my Asian friends where they go, no, you run towards the fire. You go towards it. Somebody chooses you. You let them know what time it is and then some so that they never choose you again. So I, I, I've been on both sides of those conversations. I've have friends that go, I'm sorry, but if you're in a fight, I'm going that way. Yeah, I think it's a combination of Yeah, they're like, I'll let you know right now. If something goes down, cultural. I'm yeah. out. And I have other friends that go, hey, if something going down, we all in this, let's, let's you know, we're going to give them hell. And yeah, I mean, Will and myself, we grew up in LES in Lower East Side, Manhattan. You know, we grew up with very diverse, you know, and diverse, like, communities. So we, we got the brunt of, like, you know, racist uh, remarks, and and we understand like sometimes you have to you know, you have to fight back. You because these are bullies essentially at the end of the day, right? And what happens when you don't stand up to bullies? They continue to attack you. Yeah, that, I think that's a that's a, it could be a never ending conversation. The uh, it's the response is everything. Yeah, you know it. Uh, 
my my personal opinion is like I think Will brought up a good point. I, if I were to attack an uh, elderly Italian lady, I'm going to get it's, beat down by a not, bunch of Italian people. It's not going to look good, right? But yeah, I'm you I'm going to get beat down by a lot of Italian people. I, and I and I'm just throwing out hypothetical questions. I don't know the answer. Are mm. are some of these bullies attacking the Asian elderly because they know that nothing physically the the Asian community physically is not going to do anything to mm. them. I had a friend. I mean, it's he was said it kind of jokingly, but who's joking really? I don't know. He was like, we almost need some of the Asian gangs back mm. in Manhattan. Let me repose that exact same question. Yeah, because I mean, back in the day, who was protecting the the, uh, the Chinese community or Asian communities? It was people of you know that were grouped together, Asian gangs, but they also exploited the, the Asian communities as well. So, but they also protected them yeah. um, from outside forces. There isn't the there isn't one answer, um, but we do know that you know that something needs to be done, um, and people who are attacking uh, the, the Asian community, you know, they they probably look at it as th- these are easy targets, right? And easy targets to exploit to to um, to attack, and th- nothing's probably going to happen, right? But I feel like that's changing, you know. It's and I think, I think you know, sad to say, but some some things like things like this needed to happen for people in our community to kind of get off their asses. And right. you know, we never really had it that good. We had to actually question: Are we are we really in a privileged you know position in 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 the U.S.? Probably not. I think I think some of the Asian privilege has been, and and I think. I think it's a function of a lot of the hard work from our from our previous generations yeah. is I feel a lot of a lot of the culture has been as long as your business is going well and you have the right education we just don't worry about what's going on around right. and now all of a sudden right. the outside forces are affecting our community mm. and and we're almost not sure whether to deal with it with fire or peace mm. or or whatever so uh, uh yeah i think in so, some of the things you said is right is we we've had the privilege of just being in our own lane almost yeah we were stuck um, in that bubble you know yeah. asians were stuck in a bubble and, and and there's racist asian people out there too and oh, that's yeah. really right, fucked yeah. up totally agree um, with that yeah but i i'll still go back to i i think i think we continue to be attacked because nobody's afraid that they're going to get any retaliation in any form. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so that's why it goes back to nobody expected anybody to say anything or to create such a huge rally. Right. That was the start. Yeah. Um, I myself, I always work on myself. I try not to fight fire with fire anymore because I always hasn't always been the right choice. But you, but want, yeah. you want to prepare yourself for, for, oh, yeah. for anything that might happen. I've obviously. even learned today in, 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 in this conversation w- with, with two new friends I have here. You know, it, it, uh, there's not, it's not one glove fits all. Mm-hmm. There's different forms of kindness. There's different forms of racism. There's different forms of violence. Um, and unfortunately, it's never going to be one glove fits all. We hope for one. Just, you're just, it's just people's. I, I think that'll take a long time for that to change. I just I just wonder how 
I just wonder for the future of the Asian community how we because this will continue for as long as there's no consequence and I think will actually norm you too you brought you both brought up a good point is 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 the justice system is that being fair I had alluded to does the does the punishment fit the crime the people have to keep in mind that if you do not stop the bleeding that is beginning with us it will trickle into their cultures other people within their own communities who think they are safe are going to be impacted unfortunately a lot of these pe- people that you're seeing are repeat offenders some of the stuff that's coming out we're seeing that they've been over arrested over 50 times 60 even close to 100 some of these folks it's just a turnstile you know they're going in and they're getting processed and they're going right back out their only way of getting some sort of income is through crime now now crimes of opportunity does not discriminate if they see a black person a woman uh, a white person an asian person green purple it doesn't matter if they see an opportunity to get something that they don't have in order to survive, they will do what they need to in order to eat. So if they do not stop it at us or the next stage, wherever it is, it's going to eventually impact all these metropolitan areas and its income. Businesses are not going to want to move in there. People are not going to want to ride public transportation. People are going to look at other areas that are safer and it'll be a major failure in governance, whoever the mayor is, whoever the governor is, and whoever is a police commissioner. And it's such an unfortunate situation if those people within those political arenas and the lawmakers and the people that enforce the laws and the community leaders are unable to collectively get together and figure out a solution to address people getting hurt it's a massive failure within the system they need to fix it i do know that the answer lies somewhere within those people with those titles that asked for the community's votes those people that promised those sweeping changes safety they did all this promising during their tour brought you into office because they believed in you and i hope that these mayors or governors and these people or these uh, district councilmen, whoever gets in these positions of power to actually make a difference, do not turn their back on, on the people and only wait for the next election, election cycle to start promising changes again because there's an age of social media and everything's being recorded and people will remember. People will call you out for it, you know. Right, and I don't, and I don't want to see New York City. I mean, we were talking before we went on. We're so excited that more people are coming back out. I mean, we joke that there's more traffic and our favorite restaurants has a, has a line now and whatnot. <laughs> Around the block. But yeah, the energy almost, almost feels like it's coming back. And we yeah. love that. That's the fabric of New York City. You know, mm. that we could get to walk around and enjoy, enjoy all these different cultures, all these different people, all these different style, all this, you know, all of us just being together in a park together, all this, you know, being in a restaurant together. You just see a collective of different people and that's what makes new york city so special and i hope i hope that it doesn't change because we fail to address crime or we or a whole nother thing is is the taxes and businesses and what we're doing to the the mom and pop shops you know we want to attract commerce as well so i mean that's a whole nother podcast 
Thanks for listening and supporting the podcast. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts for the rest of our episodes.